All right. So diving into uh, number 10, the, the baptism of Jesus Christ. Um, uh, let's just cover the, the Bible dictionary here real quick. I think that this is a really interesting one to kind of set the tone for these scriptures. You know, this is, there's really not a whole lot of entries for the baptism, uh, but uh, I find that these are, uh, anytime that there's a, a really short section, um, these are ones where it's it's super important to look at uh, all of the details of, of the words and things. So um, baptism from the Bible dictionary says it's from a Greek word meaning to dip or immerse. Baptism in water is the introductory ordinance of the gospel and must be followed by baptism of the spirit in order to be complete. As one of the ordinances of the gospel, it is associated with faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, repentance, and the laying on of hands for the gift of for the gift of the Holy Ghost. Baptism has always been practiced whenever the gospel of Jesus Christ has been on the earth and has been taught by men holding the holy priesthood who could administer the ordinances. Baptism symbolizes death, burial, resurrection, and can only be done by immersion. And so, um, I mean, yes, we, we know all of these things, right? But um, as we take a look at all of those and, and uh, headed into Matthew 3, 13 through 17, um, I don't know, it, it kind of set the tone and, and was uh, interesting to to really break down all of the, the words and phrases and, and why each little thing is used here. So um, I, I've got so many different questions <laughs> within this scripture block. So I'm going to try to ask... Uh, some that I did uh, last hour and, and some new ones, but um, that that first sentence there, I, I find it interesting. Then cometh Jesus from Galilee to Jordan unto John to be baptized of him. And so um, as I'm trying to <laughs> really dive into it, I we we know the, the significance of Jordan, right? That uh, it is the lowest place on earth and it's uh, he's descending below all things. But my question was, is it important that Jesus is coming from Galilee? Like that could have easily been left out, but um, how is that important into uh, this story? And so um, taking a look, um, uh, the next uh, sentence there, but John forbade him saying, I have need to be baptized of thee and comest thou to me. And Jesus answered, answering saith unto him, suffer it to be so now. For thus it becometh us to fulfill all righteousness. And that's where I, I wanted to kind of like pose these questions or, or ask here. Um, suffer it to be so now. Why is it important to include that, uh, that timing, that now phrase in there? And uh, the next one, for thus it becometh us to fulfill all righteousness. Who is the us to which it's referring? Is he referring to, to him and John or to all of us on the earth, or I don't know, it, it was just interesting, kind of taking a look at, at all of the different pronouns throughout all of this, and um, what things are referring to. Um, so kind of taking a look at the original Greek, um, I, I found very interesting uh, going through here. So let me scroll down to the, the Greek transliteration here. So, but John tried to prevent him saying, and so I think that that was interesting for me. Prevent um, versus um, forbade, right? In in our King James here, and so to to look at this this word of prevent to 
obstinately prevent or hinder. And <laughs> I, I thought that that was an interesting uh, kind of addition to obstinately prevent or hinder um, or to utterly prohibit. And so it, it, it kind of gave it a new insight into that interaction there and, and why that, that Greek word was used. Saying, I need to be baptized by you and you come to me. Taking a look at the next verse. And, and so here's Christ's reply. Let it be so. Now. So now, just now, at this moment, um, it's it's an adverb um, uh, with an idea of suspension. And so uh, I found that very interesting. I wanted to kind of take a look at that uh, Strong's version of it. See, it's used 36 times uh, throughout the, the scriptures, and it always uh, means like in the very moment or or presently, just now. Um, it, it kind of carries a, a different term than like now in this time of the world, you know, it, that would span a, a lot of years. This one is in this very moment presently. Um, it, anyway, it, it's very definitive of the, the timeline here. Uh, Jesus replied, it is fitting uh, or right, suitable, proper for us to fulfill and so I, I also really liked this word here, um, to make uh, replete, to level up, furnish, satisfy, execute, finish, or verify. I, I thought all of those were, were interesting synonyms um, or uh, ways to look at that word fulfill in, in regards to all righteousness. And uh, the righteousness uh, word here, uh, I found it especially <laughs> intriguing uh, where it says uh, justification. So in order to be justified, it, it's it's crucial that we do this now in this way. And so anyway, I, I thought that was really interesting uh, given the, the context of uh, the whole thing and looking at the original Greek there. But anyway, any... Yeah, yeah. I was just thinking about that. Um, this is the very beginning of his ministry, right? Yeah. So I think that might be the now that Christ is referring to. He needs to have this done now. Mm -hmm. And right after he gets done there, doesn't he go out into the wilderness and is tempted? Yeah. yeah. I, I think that's now is it. He needed to have that baptism now as he's starting his ministry. Mm -hmm. things that are going to line up that's just my opinion <laughs> mm -hmm. yeah with that quote that's right after it by uh elder bacolo there it says after the savior received the ordinance of baptism to fulfill all righteousness satan tempted him likewise our temptations do not end after baptism or sealing but receiving the sacred ordinances and honoring the associated covenants fill us with a marvelous light and give us strength to resist and overcome temptations and so um uh, like you said, just it, it 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 was crucial right then in that moment. He needed to be baptized after the proper manner because there there were things coming. It, not that you know him and as a god wouldn't be able to to handle it, but to fulfill all righteousness that it was um, 
he needed that justification before the temptation uh, to show us a, a proper pattern in, in things. There's just in time, too. Yeah, I really like that. Um, any other thoughts or, or comments there in, in the, the Matthew verse before we move on? I just read this an hour ago. You'd think I'd remember. Um, kind of taking a look at uh, the next page with John 1, 32 through 34, it, it really heavily references that um, the Matthew one that we're, we're talking about. So kind of uh, transitioning over to it. Um, this one's really important because this gives us John's testimony of the actual experience here. Uh, says that, and John bear record saying, I saw the spirit descending from heaven like a dove and it abode upon him. And I knew him not, but he that sent me unto, uh, let's see, and he that sent me to baptize with water, the same said unto me, unto whom thou shalt see the spirit descending and remaining on him, the same is he which baptizeth with the Holy Ghost. And I saw and bear record that this is the son of God. And so, yeah, just very interesting how, um, we have that first person testimony of um, that kind of uh, companion scriptures here with John and with Matthew uh, being Christ's dialogue and, and John's testimony confirming that that was him. Um, let's see. So <laughs> I, I hesitate because. Uh-huh. Sorry, Karen. No, you're good. I got on. I got on late. Did you already talk about? Um... John the Baptist, his response when Jesus tells him he needs to baptize him. Um, in Matthew 3.13. Like I, I read it, but we didn't talk about it. No. I just kind of started laughing. Uh -huh. <laughs> Why are you coming to me? Like I'm the one that needs to be baptized. Uh -huh. Like I can really feel like his, how he didn't feel qualified to be baptizing the Savior. Mm -hmm. And I just like the way he's like, and thou comest to me? Like, why are you coming to me? Yeah. <laughs> I haven't ever really felt like the realness of it till I read this this time. And I was like, oh, that would be way overwhelming to be like, uh -huh. so you're why <laughs> I have to do that? <laughs> like every calling we get, we're like, you want me to do that? <laughs> mm -hmm. Anyway, I thought it, I really liked that part. Yeah, for sure. It kind of reminds me of I mean, not that this isn't relatable, but um, in a <laughs> kind of bringing it uh, forward to the restoration of um, uh, one of the home teachers uh, that used to go to the prophet's house. And it's like, <laughs> I'm assigned to where? Are you kidding me? Like, <laughs> he should be teaching me, not the other way around. Like, what What am I? Why? <laughs> it's kind of useless. But um, it, very interesting that... <sighs> You know, like in the temple, like we're all on on equal footing. We're we're all dressed the same. We're all there to receive and and act in uh, the same ordinances. There's no hierarchy, kind of a thing. I mean, yes, uh, this one's different because this is the Son of God and everything. But um, to fulfill all righteousness, that uh, even uh, a God is is going to show us the the proper pattern and, and how to do this, and, and He has need of that. But yeah, seeing John's personality and, and, and things there is, is very interesting, isn't it? And it's so like relatable to me, like as a human being, like, and mm -hmm. I've even received personal revelations, like, you want me to what? 
<laughs> yeah. Are you sure that's what I'm supposed to do? <laughs> I don't know. I've never read that and thought it was funny until I saw that. Mm -hmm. And thou comest to me? <laughs> I don't know. I just I just thought, oh well, like even John he's John the Baptist is a real person. I mean, I'm sure he felt inadequate at times. Mm -hmm. Anyway. I just it's, like when it's relatable. Th there's another phrase in there that I'd like to talk about before we go on too. Yeah. And for that, sure. that the heavens were opened. Hmm. So I just did a Google search on that because that really caught my eye when I read this earlier. Yeah. There's basically about 12 verses in the Bible that talk about the heavens open. But listen to this from Isaiah 45.8. Drip down, O heavens from above, and let the clouds pour down righteousness. Let the earth open up and salvation bear fruit and righteousness spring up with it. I, the Lord, have created it. <clears throat> So I'm thinking that the heavens being open is connected with what was talked about earlier to fulfill all righteousness. Mm -hmm. Interesting. It's a good I love catch. So this is it's interesting. You know, the heavens are open when with Noah, right? Mm -hmm. uh, the heavens were open, and I saw visions with Ezekiel. Revelations, the heavens were opened, of course, right? Mm -hmm. And then we have all these and about his baptism. A third of the 12 scriptures are about his baptism. And the heavens open. And then we talk about Acts and Acts, right? And behold, uh, Acts 7.56. Behold, I see the heavens open and the Son of Man standing on the right hand of God. So the first heavens open with him when he was baptized. And then when he goes up to heavens, the heavens open again. And I'm thinking, oh my goodness, there's got to be something to this. And he saw the sky open up, Acts 10, and an object like the great sheet coming down, lowered by four corners to the ground. And then Malachi, bring the 310, bring the whole tithing in the storehouse. Of course, we all know about this. And let the windows of heaven pour down and a blessing upon it overflows, right? And the doors of heaven open. So we don't read about this very often, do we? I, I didn't know that we didn't until you mentioned it. And now I'm like, huh, interesting. Like, we really don't. Will you repeat some of that again? You said they were open to fulfill all righteousness, the same as Noah. And then you said some other, what other things? Oh, yeah. So that was Isaiah 45, 8, right? And then okay. Genesis 7, 11. And the 600 year of Noah's life. Oh, yeah, figure that, 600 years. And the second month, the 17th day of the month, on the same day, the fountains of the great deep burst open and the floodgates of the sky were opened. Mm. So, so even Noah, right? I mean, his heavens were open. I mean, there are dramatic things happening where the heavens open, you know, the flooding of Noah, right? Mm -hmm. um, I mean, you know, it, it, when the heavens are open, I saw visions of God. So when the heavens open, dramatic things happen. Um, it's I, although we don't read about the Joseph Smith story, but to me, that's when the heavens opened also, right? When mm -hmm. Heavenly Father and Jesus Christ appeared to him. I mean, the heavens were opened then and an incredible dispensation was launched, right? Yeah. Anyway, just something to 
to uh, think about. Just rock my world. That's fine. <laughs> well, the, the prophet it. keeps telling us that things are going to happen that never happened before. So I bet that that, I mean, these floods in California can end up being <laughs> opening up. You just never know. Yeah. Yeah. And you bring a great point, Kathy, because you know, the prophet has said in our day and age, we will see more revelations than we have ever imagined, right? And yeah, I'm and thinking look at what that, you just talked about, more yeah, dramatic think, than that. Yeah, I think that you and I and all of us, as we get close to the spirit, are going to see the heavens open. I call them vistas of eternity, but that's my own phrase. Uh, you know, where we see the heavens open and we get just direct personal revelation. This one is revelation for all mankind, but that doesn't mean that we can't have personal revelation with the heavens opening, right? Right. That was awesome. Thanks. Yeah. Yeah, I love it. Um, on uh, there's a reference, the last reference in here, lesson eight, Jesus Christ fulfilled all righteousness. From Jesus Christ and the Enlightening Everlasting Gospel Teacher Manual 2015. Oh, uh-huh. Yeah. And I, I looked that up. And uh so, so yeah, it's talking about how to teach the lesson. And it has five bullet points in here. He humbled himself before the Father. He witnessed to the Father that he would obey his commandments. He showed the children of men the gate by which they can enter the celestial kingdom, and he set an example for us. So I think that relates to yeah. fulfilling all righteousness. It's quite an extensive uh, section, chapter. That's yeah. just one little piece. For sure. So I was writing those down. So what are the, the five uh, points again? So there's humbled, witnessed, um, show yeah, humbled before the father witness to the father that he will obey his commandments show the children of men the gate by which they can enter the celestial kingdom and he set an example for us set. okay so i count four where's the fifth one i can't count <laughs> oh, okay. it's late here in missouri <laughs> okay so there's four okay I just wanted to make sure that I was counting right. Sorry. I was just seeing if you were awake, Stephanie. <laughs> you know, along with that, windows of heaven, you know, I was thinking um, that little movie that they did about the tithing when Lorenzo Snow went down uh, south and and the heaven that is the windows of heaven is the name of that, mm -hmm. that movie. Yeah. Yeah. Very interesting. I, I'm gonna do a word study on on that this week, the windows of heaven, and, and really dive into those. I I don't know. It, it's amazing how some of these things are always just in front of us, and we just kind of yeah, cool. But <laughs> when you mention it, like it's it's really not that often, and and here very dramatic things happen every single time. Um, I, I was focusing in, you know, uh, like we do on on that very last phrase there. You know, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. There's not that many times that that God uh, introduces his son, and it's uh, the the same words. Uh, it's very 
much uh, kind of the, the words of an ordinance. And um, anyway, it was just interesting. But now that you bring that up with uh, the heavens being opened, um, it, I don't know, they, they almost seem like they, they occur synonymously that um, like uh, very dramatic things every time the, the, the heavens are opened um, and, and what we have to look forward to. Yeah, in yeah. That regard. it kind of ties into hear him, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. On, on our own personal, I mean, you know, on our own personal lives, we're commanded to, to do what we can to have the heavens open to us as we hear him. Yeah. Like the experience of, uh, <laughs> I really need to get my prophets straight. Joseph F. Smith was the, the, the one right around the turn of the century, right? That had the, the revelation of the spirit world. Was that Joseph F. or Joseph Fielding? Um, Joseph F. Joseph F., okay. <laughs> I don't know why that's so hard for me to get those two straight. But anyway, Joseph F., and where he says that that the, the heavens were closed and it sounded like, it was like uh, sounding brass. Every prayer that went up just got uh, sent right back down and um, how the heavens were not open. But yet through through sacrifice and um, our pleadings that he was able to um, have the I, I want to see his phrase now, if he says that the heavens were opened so that he could view this kind of thing or uh, regardless, you know, receiving that revelation of the spirit world and and the redemption of the dead and everything. So let me add just something to Isaiah, which I just saw uh, hmm. 45 eight. It says drip down. Oh, heavens from above. If you think about 121, about the dews of heaven. Ooh, yeah. So it's not, you know, we're, we're, we're told all the time that this is a consistent thing. We need to daily do our prayers and, and daily read the scriptures. But I'm thinking that it's only through the daily, you know, following these, these commandments that we get that drip down. Mm -hmm. And it's from that drip down that either your Mount Ebal or Mount Gezerim, which is what that scripture contains in the Jerusalem, one is bald and one has the dews of heaven and has trees on it, right? Mm -hmm. So we're the same way as human beings. As we do the right things and consistently gather around us the spirit, on a daily basis and read our scriptures and every of all of us as we read scriptures should be getting revelation daily right mm -hmm. so as we sit down and do that then what drips down is let the clouds pour down righteousness on us so i love this scripture in isaiah actually as i start to unpack it a little bit more mm -hmm. yeah i love that hmm. yeah it's gonna be a, a fun week i'm, I'm gonna be <laughs> playing around with that one a lot <laughs> scriptures definitely i'm maybe i'm missing a page i think uh, 45 see anything 45 what eight i didn't even see that on mine okay i'm lost so okay um so that one like he just looked that one up in reference to the heavens being opened it's not like in our baptism reading tonight okay so where did you see heavens oh be okay for that very first part. Okay, that's the same. Matthew 3. Okay, gotcha. Thank mm -hmm. you. Yeah. And so I, I don't know, I might have found the, the same article that you're reading from Stefan or whatever. I put it in the, the chat, that first Bible.knowing 
one anyway it has some of those same verses that you were reading there anyway and that isaiah 45 8 was one of them and bible hub also has it by the way oh it does and it gets all the all the different uh, uh works you know niv new living english you know king james yada 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 right nasb you know yeah so yeah and we all love bible hub right mm -hmm. yep <laughs> yeah exactly um so yeah any other things that uh you want to pull out of uh that matthew 3 and or just whatever <laughs> well to go along with, with stefan like today i got i had something going on i got home late today i wasn't able to attend church but i i didn't really feel that good i was just really tired but i thought oh i just hate to miss the sacrament it just felt like ah. Oh. So, and I live right across the street from the church. So I just do, I just kind of do something naughty. I just walk over and take the sacrament and I go home. <laughs> I didn't, I didn't feel really good enough to sit there the whole time, but I was like, I've got to have the sacrament. And that's what this is all about is our renewing our baptismal covenant. And just, I love what um, Stefan just said. And and I feel like if we miss that, if I miss that, I feel like I'm missing out on personal revelation and just like it doesn't complete my week. I just can't, you know. Mm -hmm. So I'm just lucky I get to <laughs> run across the street. I mean, I wonder if my father cares if I just run across and take the sacrament. <laughs> but at least it's an effort, I feel like, right? Uh-huh. Yeah. Exactly. That that sacrament is so important. Uh, there's you know. Like you said, this some weeks and when don't it, it just affects everything. You're just empty. You're running on on fumes. And I, I, <laughs> some people just don't believe me when I say that, but it's like it, it really is. It, it changes a person. It, it changes. It, it's it's kind of like the the spiritual creation to a physical reality of just being whole and being in in step with with God and everything. It, and yeah. it's like a poetic way that Stefan said it, like heavenly do. It does feel like that. Mm -hmm. It really does make a difference. And we just, we need to partake of the sacrament. And I think any effort we can show that we, that that matters to us, I think, you know, it makes a difference that, you know, mm -hmm. Heavenly Father likes effort. And so. Yeah, I agree. I have as I've listened to these podcasts this year, the one thing that I got out of it is that the Lord loves consistency and dedication. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Like President Nelson always says, uh, that regular appointment with the Lord and stuff like, yeah, it, it makes a difference. Um, Cameron, mm -hmm. uh, when you read that very first thing at the top, at the beginning about baptism, the second sentence was standing out to me. It says, baptism in water is the introductory ordinance of the gospel and must be followed by baptism of the spirit in order to be complete. And that made me, when he was reading that, I was thinking, um, Joseph Smith made some comment about, you know, if you just have baptism, you might as well have a bag, a bag of sand, yeah. And so I'm thinking, well, you know, we're we're reading about the baptism, 
but we're not really seeing where it's telling about the laying on of hands. You know, he's going to need that the same as the other to fulfill a righteousness. So is there something in the wording that we're not seeing that, you know? I, I know it's just curious about that. Yeah. Like I had that same question of it. If it's so important that we come back to like, let's see, is it one of the Nephi accounts here or whatever? It talks about how important it is to, to go back that he gave us the pattern to fulfill all righteousness. It had to be done uh, in that way to, to show us that, that it's so necessary. Right. And yet we're, we're basically talking about the immersion, but there's no actual laying on of hands unless there's nuance to it or you know it's saying it in a different way is there an exception for deity they don't really need a, a laying on of hands they just need a dove lighten upon them or like like where is that and uh what kind of things can we you know I read, I, after you said that in the first thing i went to the bible the dictionary mm -hmm. and it says the Holy Ghost is manifest to man on earth, both as the power of the Holy Ghost and the gift of the Holy Ghost. The power can come upon one before baptism and is the convincing witness that the gospel is true. It gives one a testimony of Jesus Christ and of his work and the work of his servants upon, upon the earth. The mm -hmm. gift, which is different can only come after proper and authorized baptism and is conferred by the laying on of hands. So then when you go and read, go to some of the links in it, the um, Acts 2, it tells that the apostles didn't even get it until Pentecost. That's mm -hmm. when they got, and they were shocked. They didn't, you know, realize what it even was at that point. Yeah. So I'm thinking Christ had the power. I mean, and they all had the power by faith. And that was the other thing you, by faith, look at all them people that were healed and the miracles happened. They had a, a faith and a knowledge. So they had that power even before being baptized in there. So they, the, there's the difference between the power or the gift in those things is what I'm kind of reading. Mm -hmm. And then, if we go to what is it in i can't remember where i found it it's in i think it's in let's see it's in i can only imagine kathy's desk it's got it's got oh my hell, you guys you should see it's not my desk it's my floor that's where i yeah. put everything it's in, sorry i swore i shouldn't i i have a bad Here. habit of that it's in ether when they're talking about the gifts all of our gifts that we have and how we're given a gift of the spirit is one of those. So, and that we, anybody, it's ether, what, 12, going about, where is, I think it's 12, that we get, you know, all of our gifts through faith. Mm -hmm. And by, I think it was there. I don't know. I've got and, so many. And the end of the book of Mormon, Moroni talks about it too. So, I, my belief, I mean, it's a gift. It can be conferred upon us, but we can also have that power. It says the gift is stronger than the power, but we can, with faith, we can ask for that gift also. So, you know, it's kind of, I don't know. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah. So we we talked about this very subject maybe a year ago on this with this group. Not yeah. sure I can't remember what I did yesterday, let alone a year ago. <laughs> but but yeah, so when you do a deep dive into this, um, it's really interesting because the power of the Holy Ghost, when you listen to it, will guide you to the true church. Right. And and it is the power, the distinguishing factor is, is that you're not promised to always have it be with you, as in the power, as in the laying of the hands for the gift of the Holy Ghost, right? Right. But but as we start, at, I mean, in anybody, it doesn't matter who you are in the world, you can have that power of the Holy Ghost from time to time. And when you listen to it, then it actually will lead you to the true church. To, to the true ordinances, which is kind of neat when you think about it. Right, right. Mm -hmm. Very so. I love it. So like something, uh, when you were saying like the, the day of Pentecost, right? And that's when they received, does it specifically say the gift or the power in that instance of, of Pentecost there? Because like Pentecost, that wasn't by laying on of hands either. That was just them receiving that, that full power, wasn't it? I, I don't know. I, I'm just... What does it say? And when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all they were all with one accord and in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as if rushing mighty wind, and it filled all the house where they were sitting. And there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as of fire, and it sat upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with tongues as the spirit gave them utterance. Hmm. And there were Jew, Jews in Jerusalem. It just goes on and on and on down through the whole thing. So, yeah. yeah. And so that, that power is, is huge and manifest. And, and we see that, you know, like with the Kirtland Temple dedication, Salt Lake dedication. Um, well, yeah. And, you know, coming like as a fire. Okay. That, I mean, that's key right there. That's the, you know, the fire burning in you. So. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But it, it's just interesting to me still my question of the laying on of hands. Is that kind of just our dispensation that really uh, emphasizes the mention of that or, or are these all um, actual they're testifying of the experience, but of the sacredness of it, they're not mentioning who necessarily laid the hands on to no. give the, the gift. Yeah. Hmm. It's very interesting. I, I love that. Is, is the laying on of hands um, something that symbolizes the fire coming down and the dove? Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's what I'm starting to wonder. Like, yeah. I never... Because we, we aren't going to probably have fire coming down on our heads and uh, yeah not yet <laughs> but when we talk about uh, the baptism of fire you know like that's the actual yeah reception of the the ordinance right and so but at, the, but at the same time just because we that's confirmed upon us that doesn't mean we're automatically going to get it uh -huh, we have yeah. to be worthy of that and earn that and all that also and so when that day actually comes when we are worthy and receive it 
then uh, we we receive the the actual baptism of fire, um, and and the confirmation is just kind of symbolic of that, where hands or or fire is being placed upon our head and and that flowing kind of thing. So uh, a symbol of the future. Maybe he could skip the laying on of hands because he was getting the the actual fire, the actual. Well, he had the dove. Mm -hmm. uh -huh. Yeah. And where the doves light. Everything that he did that set forth was for an example for us to follow. Yeah. The things that took place with him, were, you know, we were supposed to follow those things. He was the example. Yeah. His, Maybe there's somewhere that, that talks about where the laying on of hands came from and when it started and why. Uh -huh. I would I would love any resources on that <laughs> because like as a missionary, it was so hard to explain to people why we <laughs> like after we baptize somebody, then we bring them up in sacrament meaning and then a whole bunch of people put their hands on this person like it, it, it's it was very reminiscent to them of like some kind of Christian church where as soon as they didn't know the expectation like am I supposed to faint am I supposed to all of a sudden speak in tongues as soon as all of these people lay their hands on my head and it was very hard to explain to them when I didn't really have a good way to say oh this is why we do the laying on of hands but but now with with our talk tonight and stuff like the symbolism of the actual fire and you know not in like this weird magical sense you know but like the the power the that when in the ordinances, the power of godliness is manifest, that power flowing through us that we are conductors or um, authorized agents for that power to flow through us and to that person, that that heavenly fire kind of a thing. It, it's starting to kind of make sense in, in my brain of how I would explain that better, but not there yet, I guess. <laughs> yeah. So there's a there's a couple of things on the laying on of hands. Um First of all, let's go back to, uh, and we all, we will all remember this deal. This is uh, President Boyd K. Packer, right? Mm -hmm. uh, the Quorum of the Twelve. Might as well baptize a yeah. bag of sand. If done, if not done in uh, with view of remission of sins and getting the Holy Ghost. Baptism by water is only half a baptism. It is good for nothing without the other half. That is the baptism of the Holy Ghost. So now with the laying out of hands, for us, that first happened in 1920 or 1829 with Oliver Cowdery and Joseph Smith, but it was first practiced in Judaism, then adopted by Christianity. And we have, I remember talking about this on my mission with the laying out of hands for the priesthood and remember the tabernacle, even you had the laying out of hands. Uh, so, but it's interesting and, and I don't, talk about this and we all experience this so differently mm -hmm. but i was like um oh gosh 17 years old when i was baptized saturday uh seattle uh sunny which is kind of rare for seattle <laughs> <laughs> and about two o'clock in the afternoon I, and i to this day distinctly remember when those hands went up on my head for the holy ghost it was like electricity going through my body and everyone, you know, re, you know, has different experiences of this in their life. But for me, it was so distinct that I can I can never deny it. I, I can't ever say that that didn't happen to me. Right. Mm -hmm. um, 
now, was I righteous enough to have it with me all the time? Oh, heck no. I was a teenager. <laughs> right. But but I remembered so distinctly. But but this laying out of hands, even in the Old Testament, we talk about that in Acts, um, uh, the Old Testament. So why is it so significant? Uh, I don't know. Um, you know, uh, but but it is it, it's both significant in the Old and in the New Testament. Without a question. Yeah, I'm just looking up uh, these different resources, copying it here so I have them for later. But um, I, I don't know. I, <laughs> I guess I've just never really put that much effort into the laying on of hands. Um, like it says here. Okay, listen to this. Sorry, I didn't mean yeah. to interrupt. That yeah. was not. You're good. Go for okay, it. Okay, so in Ether chapter 12, verse 11, it says, Wherefore, by faith was the law of Moses given, but in the gift of his son hath God prepared a more excellent way, and it is by faith that it hath been fulfilled. For if there is no faith among the children of God, men can do no miracles among them. Wherefore, he showed them not himself until he hath faith. But this was in connection with the portion of the, let's see, uh, uh, the verse 10 was behold it was by faith that they are of old were called after the holy order of god mm. so uh, there's something intertwining there and i ain't figured it out yet but it is <laughs> mm -hmm. yeah and, and just just look at uh articles of faith four right yeah. faith comes before the laying on of hands mm -hmm. yeah it's very interesting. I, I, my brain's just like swimming in, in so many different things right now. Um, but some of these references here, I didn't realize that we were um, going back so far um, and, and pulling it forward. So uh, the Adam ordained his righteous male descendants by the laying on of hands, and that is revealed to us in Doctrine and Covenants 107. Uh, Jacob pronounced blessings on Ephraim and Manasseh, laid hands upon the head, for obvious. Um, Let's see. Oh, and this one is the, the one that got me. The apostles Peter and John bestowed the gift of the Holy Ghost by the laying on of hands, which I'm because I was thinking of the, the Pentecost thing, and I'm like, huh, the, the laying on of hands doesn't seem to really necessarily be there. But in the same token, um, Acts 8 does go in and, and specifically say that. Um, and then in this dispensation, we also have those things. And, the, and then there's um you know, all of our various study sources, uh, looking at all of the different references to the laying on of hands in all of the, um, in all of the canons, right? But yeah, I, I'm going to have to go do that study. I'm just showing my <laughs> weakness as a gospel scholar. I didn't <laughs> understand. And, and look at, um, um, oh, where I just saw this and I just lost it. I can't believe it. Uh, yeah, so Adam ordained, as you just said, but Jacob also pronounced blessings on Ephraim and Manasseh when he laid his hands on their heads, Genesis 48, 14, 19. Mm -hmm. so this has been around from, from day one. Yeah, I just didn't know that it was in connection with the, uh, the giving of the gift of the Holy Ghost. Um, I mean, like, I know it's in our dispensation for sure, but it, in some of these references, it seemed to be kind of missing that, uh, 
laying on of hands in conjunction with the Holy Ghost. But I, it, no, it, it's been there all along. I was just not getting all the references studied. Yeah, like you said in Acts, right? Mm -hmm. Peter and John bestowed the Holy Ghost by laying, which means if that if they were doing it, that means they had to have had it done to them. Yeah, exactly. Huh. Yeah, and so <laughs> back to my original thing of Matthew 3, why doesn't it say, like, you know, uh, but I think we've unpacked, like, the symbolism and all of that of um, that that power, the, the, the fire and everything, but uh, to fulfill all righteousness, if this is our pattern, if this is the pattern of how to perform baptism, it's just interesting that that laying on of hands isn't uh, specifically mentioned in in that. But you know, not trying to <laughs> proof text the the work and stuff. But it's just very interesting what is there and and what it's pointing us to. I love that. I, I just think of Mary and the birth of Christ and how that all happened. That mm -hmm. certainly wasn't normal. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> oh, come on. Period. <laughs> <laughs> every day I love it yeah um where are we at oh we've we've had a good little chat here um so that that mark 10 38 through 39 one was really interesting we kind of unpacked that where we we read through it uh in the earlier group but it was interesting that uh, reading the, the fuller context of that, uh, so beginning in uh, verses 35 through 45, um, taking a look at uh, who was the, the two? Was it James and John? Or uh -huh. It was James and John, right? Um, I, I guess I could pull it up, but uh, James and John asking the Lord if they could be uh, on his right hand and left hand. So they're basically having the interview where they get to uh, ask the, the genie their wishes, right? And so um, they they asked to that one can be on the right and one could be on the left. And um, uh, Jesus answers to them here on, on the page that we're reading. Ye know not what ye ask. Can ye drink of the cup that I drink of and be baptized with the baptism that I am baptized with? And they say unto him, we can. And Jesus saith unto them, ye shall indeed drink of the cup that I drink of. And with the baptism that I am baptized, with all shall ye be baptized. And he goes on to say that it's not mine to give for you to be on my right, right hand and left hand. But um, he goes through all of these different things. Um, and I thought that that was an interesting context to be including here in this topical guide entry of the baptism. Because he doesn't seem to be referring to the same immersion water baptism that um, that these other ones should be, but um, talking about baptism in in a more fuller, richer context. Uh, I, I thought that was just very intriguing that uh, we would include uh, that story here. But um, it gave me a, a different insight into what it really means to to be baptized receive the holy ghost and to um to ascend and um become saviors on mount zion that that we all have to go through trials we you know we we have it said we have to take up our cross we have to endure our cup we have to be baptized in the same baptism as, as he's been in that we have to um 
have a a death burial and resurrection of of our own um to to follow him uh, he is the exemplar of of everything and uh, i don't know it just gave me a, a a fuller or more vibrant picture of of baptism rather than just the the first half of the ordinance that happens to be immersed in water kind of a thing thought that was very interesting and in and, and john one in that next verse that we read Mm-hmm. You know, it doesn't go into the laying on of hands, but there is absolutely no question. It says the same as he which baptizes with the Holy Ghost. So mm-hmm. we know he was baptized with the Holy Ghost. That's second ordinance. We just don't know. We just don't have all the particulars on it. Yeah. Yeah. Love it. And and the fact that um whoever is telling John this, right? Because he says, um how, what does it say? No, no, but he sent me to bat- Oh, yeah. He that sent me to baptize with water, the same said unto me. So if it's an angel, if it's God tutoring him, kind of thing, but um he's telling him by what sign you'll know that this is the the correct person that you have baptized the the Lamb of God, right? And so whoever uh Upon whom thou shalt see the Spirit descending and remaining on him, the same as he which baptizeth with the Holy Ghost. I thought that was very interesting too. I, I'd never considered that other person that's tutoring John and telling him what sign he's going to receive. Um, that that was a, a new interesting insight into it. And uh, like you said, that the sign is is the confirmation part that that we're um, the the second half of the baptism. I thought that was very interesting. Um, yeah, what, what other thoughts, comments, questions, things did you have from, from any of the verses? Uh, I don't want to keep you too long, but, <laughs> um, you have any other? I thought it was interesting that Lehi saw this in his dream. Yeah. That he saw him being baptized. And for me, it was a confirmation of, it grew my, like, helped my testimony that, like, cause you wouldn't see that, like that's a detail you wouldn't just put in there. Like if you thought you saw Christ, like, Oh, and he was baptized. Like you would already think that he had that. Like, I don't know. For me, that was like a detail I've never really thought of with, with what Nephi Lehi saw. And I don't know, for me, it was just like, Oh, wow. That's a significant thing that detail that he shares that that a fraud would never think of you know i don't know is that a weird thing to think no not at all yeah i I thought that was a very interesting insight there that i had never considered either one of the things that still sticks out to me is both matthew and at the end second nephi 31 talk about fulfilling and the word all is the thing that sticks out to me all righteousness and that is so far above my comprehension because <laughs> I, I just, it's like, wow, what's going on here, right? Yeah, exactly. Did I share that in this group or, or the other group, the, the Greek word for that? If I, I can't remember. Anyway, let me share it again because um, I, I thought it was just so cool um, to fulfill all righteousness. So uh, the word all 
um, all whole, every kind, etc. But righteousness um, is an equity, specifically justification. That that justification word was uh, super interesting to me. Um, but like you said, all like there's there's so much to this. Um, what was I going to ask? And maybe that means that baptism really is more important than what we perhaps even give it credence, right? Mm -hmm. That it is the only way to through the gate, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And and there is no righteousness if you don't go through the gate. Yeah. Maybe I mean I don't know. I'm just stabbing mm -hmm. here, right? No yeah. idea. Yeah. Because I, I don't know. To me, it's like, I, I don't know. This is probably dumb to say. But um, once you receive the, the higher ordinances, it's like, oh, yeah, we, we help other people get baptism. But it's kind of like a thing that you just like, yeah, I've, I've, I've done more. That was, uh, that was kindergarten. And now I'm in high school and, and college kind of a thing. Versus, no, there, there's so much more to baptism. And, and it needs to be focused on regularly. I mean, that's why we have the sacrament, right? Like mm -hmm. <laughs> that we, we are renewing that all the time because it, it yeah, I, I don't even think that uh, we get to a, a full comprehension of that, uh, even in our advancements and, and, uh, and everything in advancements, that's not the right word, but in the rest of our ordinances, completing those. So I was talking to a temple sealer this last week when I was in the temple, mm -hmm. and I was talking about the holy order. We were doing sealings, holy order of matrimony, and it was really interesting because he said, you know, that is only you only come to that ordinance by doing all the other ordinances because that's the holy order. And the first one, of course, in the temple is what baptism, right? And then you have the order uh, and, and all the five uh, covenants that you make in the uh, endowment, right? Mm -hmm. And then it says, you know, you receive the rights, et cetera. Well, well that isn't rights as an R-I-G-H-T-S. That's an R-I-T-E-S, right? Yeah. Of the, of the holy order. And so it's starting to make more sense to me after this discussion tonight that that first gate opening being that ordinance of baptism really is that first step, you know, after your faith, of course, and repentance, right? To where, and that's why it says in DNC 4, it says what? The, or, the principles and the ordinances, right? So the first two principles are faith and repentance. The first ordinance is what? Baptism, right? So that really is the first ordinance. And that really is everything that crescendos and builds upon you when you get into the holy order of matrimony. You can't do that. There's no way for you to have that, right? With, without this baptism to begin it all. Hmm. Yeah, I love that. I tell you, so many, <laughs> just think, I'm trying to like keep up and write everything down of all my studies that I need to do this week because... Yeah, considering that in in a, a rich, full context there. The only time I've heard of the Holy Order in the temple that I can recall is the Price Circle. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then um, there at so, ceiling, the Holy Order of Matrimony. Yeah, it's it's actually the words in the uh, temple ceremony for sealing. Those three words are uh, come right after each other. Mm. Yeah. yeah. Interesting. In fact, I was so impressed by it, I stayed afterwards and talked to the sealer about those three words. I said, okay, something <laughs> tells me I need to talk to you about these. Can you explain these more? He spent like 10 minutes talking to me about it. Yeah. Love it. Yeah, I love good temple sealers that are willing to chat and talk about stuff. Kathy Martin mentions the movie of Joan of Arc there in the chat. Uh I love that movie too. Have you seen it? Uh huh. I I think there's been other versions of it. I yeah. the one I watched, I think, was on the BYU channel. This but, one is really good. I've seen one before that makes her look like she's kind of crazy. Uh-huh. But this one is so heartfelt. And, oh, that made me really want to be more brave and really want to receive more revelation. But it, I was a little bit depressed at the end of it. It was really sad. But mm-hmm. I just wanted to share it with the group because I really loved it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, thank you. But I'm just looking at it, 1948. Hmm. Yeah, I don't. I've watched that one before. It's a. It's really good. Yeah. Uh, Yeah, I'm not sure which one that was that I watched. The other one I watched makes her look like she's some crazy girl that wants to be burned or like they was treating her like she was a witch or something. Yeah. Because she heard the voices and stuff. But it yeah, was... this one's so sweet, though. And she's so tender. And I mean, she's just a young girl. And I don't know. I For some reason, I just thought I would want to share it with the group. Because, you know, we're all seekers of mm-hmm. light and truth. And I don't know. It was really heartfelt. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, I love it. And, and those voices that she was hearing was the Holy Ghost. It was. It it uh-huh. totally was. And and she was only trying to do good. And and the men were just so evil to her. There were a couple, uh, there were a couple that were trying to help her, but a lot of them were just really evil men. And they they just didn't they didn't let any women help her. They just like they just were so awful to her. Anyway, I it really touched my heart and it really made me want to have more courage to to listen to when I, to my promptings. Mm-hmm. Isn't it going to be great to get in the next world and talk to people like this? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's just so many different people, you know. You, you think about um, uh, Mahatma Gandhi. In fact, I quoted him at my daughter's wedding uh, two weeks ago. He said that if a man, and I add women in here, thinks he has a a superior faith let him live a superior life and i'm wondering you know all these guys i mean mother Teresa, and and you can just go on with the list of these people who are not lds who are so in tune with the spirit right Mm -hmm. it's just going to be fun i think Mm -hmm. yeah and i even though it's a fictitious character i felt 
I don't know. I kind of felt like a kindred spirit to her where I just was like, oh, I wish I knew her. Like, I really want to know her. Mm-hmm. Like, I can't wait to meet her. Like, I don't know. Um, just because the other movies I've seen of her make her seem like she's kind of crazy. Like that Noah, Noah Vark one makes him look like he's some wacko guy <laughs> gathering. Oh my gathering. gosh. That's that <laughs> terrible. It, it, oh, I hate how we're just like ruining all of these history things. It, it drives me bonkers. But I think that's what makes this one good. It's old and she's yeah. just so pure and sweet and she just doesn't have any mean bone in her body. Anyway, it's just so, it's really good. If anybody has time and they want to watch something good. You are in white shop. Uh oh. Okay, you start playing it. <laughs> I had to go. Oops, how do I get out of there? Just the red exit. <laughs> oh, sorry about that. <laughs> I was going to see which version it was. <laughs> You're average. It's okay. I do stuff like that all the time. <laughs> Isn't it amazing that Heavenly Father works through this age? I mean, think of Joseph Smith about being the same age, right? Mm-hmm. So young. Yeah, so young and so tender. And, oh, and isn't that interesting from like what we were reading tonight too about like John the Baptist and, and things like, it's very interesting, the, the young uh, and, and what we have prophesied of, of what's to come and everything, right? That uh, young men will dream dreams and old men will see visions kind of thing and um the out of the mouth of babes and anyway like he, he can work with with the the young people to, to bring about great miracles i've actually wanted to kind of tap back into the younger person that i was because i feel like i did receive a little bit more when i was younger mm-hmm. i think i think when we're more innocent we do receive a lot and as the world gets a hold of us and our egos or our or our desire to to be accepted or wanted or whatever mm-hmm. but we i think we do have like more paths to to heavenly father's revelation and intelligence when we're younger and it is a little more pure and she it, you'll really like this she's just the sweetest little gal it's just so cute i cried oh my gosh i can't believe it I, I was scared. <laughs> what? Did you do this? I was gonna just highlight the the YouTube channel so I could have it to check it after the thing, and it did the same thing. It started again. <laughs> well, if you mute yourself, then you can go ahead and open it up and push pause. <laughs> it's okay, darling. Okay. <laughs> it could be much worse. Yeah. <laughs> oh shoot. All right. Well that was a great discussion. Okay. And it was a little bit lighter than your last group was a little over my head. <laughs> a little bit. Am I even recording? Did I record this? Yeah, okay. Let me 